Welcome to another episode of the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast, a different look at AFL Fantasy Classic, available exclusively in season to silver and gold members of the Keeper League. This episode, we're talking all things rucks, some of the key stats we use, and some more points of difference. Chicka chicka pod pod. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Pod Pod. It's Dossie here, and uh, Stato joins us once again on the show. Welcome, Matt. I'm looking forward to a rucking good time. Never heard that one before, Stato. And uh, Louis, have you got a better opening line for us? No, nah, no, nah, I'll leave it at that. That'd probably be the podcast name as well, so... Yeah, we'll, we'll try and avoid that one. And uh, But uh, anyway, guys, that was a cracking start to the episode, but we are talking <laughs> rucks. And uh, as we've been going through each week, we, we've been going through three players on each line. Well, 12 total and a few listener requests. But this time, it's just going to be two each. Le- leave it simple, but we wanted to include a little bit more for you listeners. We know rucks can sometimes be boring. So, we also want to include some of the stats that we use throughout the season as well to keep on top of our game. So, we'll be getting to that after we've gone through the rucks and then at the end, I'll be doing some of my points of difference as well, which I've been doing every single team getting through the list. So, let's start with our rucks though and we'll go round table again. Stato, who have you got as our first ruck to talk about? Yeah, well, as I go through my two rucks, they're actually the two rucks that are on field in my classic team as we speak. Now, Dossie... Uh, hopefully with the beautiful, important five things that I've already told you in our, our first podcast for this year, hopefully you remember. So what do you reckon the two things that I've actually got is the reason why I'm picking these two Ruckman in my team? So you want players that you're going to keep? Yes. Until um, the end of the season. So that's one thing. Yeah, and then one, one ruck. Remember, one ruck I want to keep. Yes. One. And then underpriced, would that be the other thing? Yeah, value. Value. And there's one more reason. There's one more thing. One more thing. All right. I'll uh, wait until a minute if you pick it, Doss. Yeah. So well, let's this? see if you can pick it up as we go. So I'm going to talk about my first ruckman. And this is the ruckman I'm going to keep. All season, so part of that three five one three that I expect to have part of my twelve keepers is Brody Grundy. Now you are exactly right. I'm looking for the upside. I'm looking for the value. So Brody Grundy last season time on ground eighty one percent. Now his mm. four previous years were eighty seven, eighty nine, eighty eight. And 86. So he's 5% down on any of the last four years. His averages for those seasons, so let's go back to 2017 with 86% time on ground, he had 106.2. If you remember correctly, he was just, and I mean just, 22 years of age when he started that season. So he was still the up-and-coming ruckman at the time. 2018 was his massive breakout, 88% time on ground with 120 average, 89% on ground in 2019 with 122 
point one. That's when he become the trader's uh, ruck pig. He got that status because he gave two years on the trot with 120 plus. Obviously, in 2020, we had the shortened quarters. He averaged 119 with 87% game game time. Now, 87% in shortened quarters, so even though it was the same percentage, mean, meant he was on ground less. Now, last year, that dropped to 81. As we know, he had the neck injury, which was either late in the second quarter or early in the third quarter when he went, when he went down. Uh, it was 69 was his score halfway through the game. That obviously was one of the key things that impacted the time on ground. He only averaged 106.5. As we've seen already, Brody Grundy is burning up the track. He's actually lost some kilos. So building that uh, uh, a bit more of a tank than what he had the previous year, which is absolutely fantastic news for all of us because if he can get around the ground more, that means more plus sixes, more marks. And I think that's an area he dropped last year. So that's going to be exceptional for his scoring. So we're looking forward to seeing the actual result of that. But the key thing here is if he gets his time back on ground just to equal the lowest of the last five years in 86, that's a growth of 5% of his scoring. And that's without any increased fitness, uh, no injury interruptions, whatever the case may be. If that happens, he'll get his average to 113. So all of a sudden, when you're talking that, that would be equal to last year's highest ruck score. So if you want to compare that to, to Maxi Gorn, last year he had 90% time on ground for an average of 108. Um, but someone will be talking about uh, Maxi Gorn a little bit later. So he is value, he is primed. He has the round 14 buy, which is important to me. Hopefully, you're understanding the clues now, Dossie Boy. I was going to jump in and say the buy round, to yes, be honest. Yes, correct. So, Brody Grundy's got the round 14. So, obviously, whoever's going to be in that second chair uh, is not going to be a round 14 ruck for me. That's the first thing I'm going to do um, because there's question marks on everyone below who I believe is the main man in the ruck this year. That's Brody Grundy. I'm 100% in on him. He's there. And, of course, as we know, with the right matchup, he's also a captain option. And as we know with Collingwood, for some reason, the bright likes like him. Uh, the television coverage likes him. So he actually becomes a loophole captain for quite a few of the rounds as well. So Brody Grundy, definitely my R1. I will say one thing. I'm incredibly excited and Stato, you laid out all the points that, yeah, make him a great pick and I'm certainly going to start him on my side. Just wondering though, from both your perspective, maybe Louis can jump in for this one and Stato, you can say if you agree or not. Would you be scared at all if in, you know, the one preseason game sample that we get to see, if Craig McRae goes, you know, and Grundy only plays half his time in the ruck, half time forward, would you just ignore the that? Um, that role in the in that game and just be like, nah, we know what Grundy can do and we think he's going to do that? Or if, if that role just becomes evident, are you going to be scared completely away just off that one game? Um, so my answer to that is no, but also think of the logic. So he's worked his butt off this preseason not to add strength to be a key position player, so build the upper body strength. Mm, he has yep. concentrated 
to actually get as fit as he possibly can to run as long as he possibly can. That means they're eyeing him either for the wing or for the ruck roll. <laughs> Fair enough. And Louis, you're on board as well. Oh, absolutely. For all the reasons Stato mentioned, I think uh, he's probably one of a handful of players that just haven't left my team uh, in this preseason because there's just so much upside there. All right, Louis, are you going to take us away with the other most obvious pick that we've got in the ruck department? Yeah, so I've got his counterpart in Maxi Gorn. Um, along with Grundy, he's probably been uh, one of the best ruckmen in the comp for the last five years. Uh, look, he does it all. He marks, tackles, kicks goals now, as I'll get it, get on to a little bit later. And, of course, the hitouts. Uh, been a 100-plus averaging ruckman um, for years and years and years now. And, honestly, I, I don't think that's going to stop. Um, however, I think starting him in your fantasy teams is going to carry some risk. So he's priced at 108, which is just three points shy of his best fantasy average uh, bar Corona ball, which I'm a little bit hesitant to draw um, too many comparisons from. Um, and for the majority of those last five years of that elite scoring, Luke Jackson just hasn't been his teammate. And uh, he really came on in 2021, which we saw. Uh, he basically helped the D's win the granny. Um, so that he's obviously going to step in and have a bigger role in 2022. And uh, it's obvious that he's going to be the D's next number one ruckman. And what we saw in the preliminary final and at various other stages during the year was that Gorn is extremely capable up forward. I mean... Kicked five goals in the preliminary final and, like I said, at various stages during the season, he was popped up there as a marking target. Um, no, his accuracy wasn't always great, but uh, he's still bringing the ball to ground more more often than not. So, at some point, I think the needle has to move and the Gorn-Ruck time split will be affected. So, I've got confidence in Gorn being a top Ruckman in 2022. He's just a really, really good player. Um, but I do believe if you're starting him in your side, you're opening yourself up to more downside than upside. I'm, I'm not even sure he's going to hold that average. So for me, uh, as a starting option, uh, Gorn is a no-go, and especially with that buy, which Stato mentioned just earlier. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the um, they're going to nurture Jackson along to eventually take over the reins. It's going to take some time, obviously. Uh, we did see Tim English kind of explode in his third year and it is entering Jackson's third year. He's not going to get the same role and, and opportunity that English did in his third year. He's still going to have to split that time. But I can see what you're saying in that. I think from my perspective, it's just going to be in games where they're blowing teams out, they might just give him 80% you know, 80% of the centre bounces, something like that, and just let Gorn rest. And that's where I think Gorn's still going to give you those monster games, but the floor might be a little lower when he um, has to play that key forward role. So, kind of on board with you in that I think it's more of a risky starting option than, say, Grundy, given the upside that Stato's um, offered us. What do you reckon, Stato? Yeah, I don't think I could have explained any better than Louis just did. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I'll get on to my first player, which is Shawnee Darcy and uh, a big favourite of the pod last year, Sean Darcy. Available as a forward last year. Not not so this year, though. Only the ruck, which is true because that's where he plays majority of the time. But he actually, people forget he did start that year last year coming off an injury. Um, so, he's priced at... 92, I believe, um, Shawnee Das, but he actually started the year coming off an injury and had to play forward 
um, with Meek in the side for rounds two, three, and four to start the year. And then he also had that niggle kind of towards the end of the year where they also brought Meek in the side from rounds 19 to 23. Um, granted, he was playing more of a primary ruck for most of those games. But anyway, Darcy with Meek averaged 82 and without averaged 100. So it's a very big difference when you're looking at just at the raw numbers there. But with Darcy, the, the upside is just that he's, again, lifted his training standard to another another off-season. He's saying, you know, same sort of deal as, as Grundy, just really getting himself fit and firing. He, he's hired the uh, the trainers off the track to get himself fit and firing. He It's been working for him for the last couple of years, and he's lifted that up a notch. I just see Darcy t- sort of taking himself to that next level, and this is where I think he establishes himself. I kind of think he's in that frame for the R3, even an R2, if things go right with with the Max Gorn side of things. And there's probably another guy here um, that we're going to talk about that could be in the frame to be that person as well. But Shawnee Darcy just coming into his prime, really like the way he goes about it. His score builds great. He had some big ceiling games last year. And if we don't see him get those niggling injuries, which is always probably the question, uh, I think he could be a great pick, especially at his price and given that if he is priced at the 92 and he goes at 100 and they're not going to play Meek alongside him for most of the year, I'd imagine, then he's got some serious upside. What do you reckon, Stato? Yeah, he's a risk to me. Um, yeah. So, first thing I'll say, he's round 14 by. So, mm. him and Grundy is not a good mix. And if I want yes. to pay what is a premium price for Darcy – I'd rather just play that little bit more and have the security that I've got Brody Grundy rather than Sean Darcy. Um, so to me, I'm looking this year to be honest and, and quite happy to be proven wrong because we had the same argument last year on Pop Pop Plus um, <laughs> where I'm going, nah, just avoid Darcy and uh, you were hot on the, the, the banner for, for quite a while and there was a great list of form. But I think the biggest issue for him is quite seriously, he struggled when he was playing against good Ruckman. So against Grundy, he scored a 64. That's not pretty. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one game though. How do you go against the other guys? He, he put up some pretty big scores against... Yeah, against Gold Coast. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. fair point. Yeah, yeah it's a well, fair point. Well. It, it is well, a fair yeah. point. And he didn't Chrissy actually Burgess Max was, Gorn. was his bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, to be fair, I started, you know, my first iteration of my team in the off-season started with the big Shawnee Darce as the centrepiece ruck. And I've kind of, well, as the second ruck. And I've strayed away from that, um, obviously, in line with some of the buy structure rules that, that you've given me. But... Yeah, I'm not quite there yet as the ultimate premium ruck, um, just due to what we've laid out in the risk factor, given he does tend to get injured most years. But last year was a great sign, 21 games, and actually played through the injury, still managed to put up some reasonable scores. We kept thinking he was going to be out constantly, and every game he kept suiting up. So, I think he only actually missed you know, one or two games for the season, one game for the season, and that was at the very start um, when he was coming back from that injury. So, you know... Um, <sighs> Still, there's there's still upside there, but there is a slight bit of risk in, in to bring him in your starting side. Might be that upgrade target, Stato, after the buy if you're still looking for a Potentially, ruck. Potentially, yes. All right, let's get to our second second ruck here, Stato. Who you got for us? Well, um, 
you got the hint before it's all about the buy. So my bench ruckman at the moment, I think he's probably going to be the favourite bench ruckman for the competition is Sam Hayes. So we're talking 190 um, uh, K uh, ruckman who has potential and opportunity with Laddam's move to the Swans. We know Lysett has won a premiership being a forward ruck to Nick Nat. So there's likelihood that, that Sam will get games and, of course, they've got to prepare for life after Lysette. He's, he's in his 30s now, so there, there needs to be ready. So they need to get games into him. So there will be games where they play duels and if Lysette needs a break or gets injured, then Sam Hayes is the number one. So that gives me around 14 with Grundy and around 12. So I'm after around 13 Ruckman um, He's either going to be a stepping stone cash cow or uh, is value and can hold the fort until whenever I want to make a strategic move to, to change him into someone that's going on a big run, whether that be Jackson's injured and back in Gorn or whatever the case may be, or as you mentioned, it, it might uh, actually be Sean Dusty, uh, Sean Darcy, if he plays... Um, Sean Dusty. Uh, Dusty, yeah. If he plays um, Gold Coast every second week. Um, so the the round 13 clubs are West Coast Eagles, so that's Nick Nat. Uh, to me, he's a great super coach player, but not for AFL Fantasy. Uh, Western Bulldogs, I'm still not comfortable that English is number one. If he was number one Ruckman and, and um, there was no forward role for him, then I would seriously consider him. There is wits and people are talking about wits because of his price, but I never back in someone coming back from an ACL. Um, yes, we're a lot better at these things than what we used to be, but still you need to, to manage that player. So you'll slow them down, you won't overstretch them. The time on ground will be reduced as you want to take the risk out, as you fatigue there is more chance of actually doing damage to your body. Uh, next is Sydney. Obviously, with a Hickey, Laddam, Sinclair, and there's another one. Uh, I can't remember. There's four viring for a spot. Uh, I think Hickey's probably the number one, and Laddam's is the second option. So Laddam's might be ruck and, and uh, sorry, forward and changing with him. If I saw Laddams, who's just the 510K, if I saw Laddams as a standalone Ruckman, I would go him. Uh, Geelong, you got the same argument with Stanley and Segler, and Segler, because he played quite a few games late with Hawthorne, uh, actually has got a high price. So then we get to the last club, and that is Adelaide. So Rob is sitting in my team. So Rob is my man. Now, there is value in Rob, so that's part of the reason why this works for me. So first full season, we understood that he was basically uh, like uh, Hayes is doing at Port Adelaide. He was waiting for Jacobs to fail. Jacobs gave him an opportunity in and they never allowed Jacobs back. So his first year, 2019, uh, he played 18 games for an average of 95.5 um, with a time on ground of 84. Exceptional he was. It was really impressive for a debut mm. season. Um, moved to 2020. Uh, he's got that spot confirmed. He plays every game in 2020. 
He scored 109 that was adjusted. So please note it was actually 86.8 with 88%. But that's 88% time on ground for the shortened quarters. So the reality is you're only talking about if we take the 25% off, it's really only uh, about 69, 70% of game time. So if you understand that, he scored 86 with 70% game time. So last year, he had a really disappointing pre-season. He didn't have his body right. As we know, he struggled early. It took him to round four to really get any form. So we're talking people started with him last year. I think he cracked out something in the 40s round one, something in the 50s round two. So really hurt his score. So 86 was his average uh, last season, but I really think he is exactly what he what he was first and in between second. So he's between the 95 mark and the 105 mark, which hopefully means he's someone that can break the ton barrier with a clean bill of health and a run. Don't look at his gait. Just look at his scores. <laughs> so that's Avoid the important the bit. So um, therefore, priced at 86 as someone that has actually shown us the capability uh, and the athletic running, running style, maybe take style out of it, maybe talk about the running capacity that he's actually got to get around the, the ground, that if you're buying someone at 86 that could potentially, and I do mean potentially, be the R2 position for the season, averaging 100, I'm taking that and I'm taking it on because the value's there, the scoring power's there and the balance of having a ruck in round 12, 13 and 14 is there. That's why I'm going Rob. There's the 15-minute essay on why you should be choosing Rob in your fantasy team. Thanks, I know it sounds awful, but it's true. Very comprehensive. Um. I did see an article come out today on the Mighty Rob, actually, on the Adelaide FC uh, website. So, if, you, if you're not convinced, go there. He's, he's talking about how he's more motivated than ever because of the fact that uh, Strawny came in last year. And he's like, gee, Strawny had a good back end of the season. I don't want to be taken over as number one ruck. Says he wants to be the best ruckman in the competition. He, he, said. he sent a little message to Nick Nat, make sure he was quite aware. So he said, I've been working really hard over the break and over the preseason. Physically, I'm in the best spot I've been in terms of strength and getting a few niggles out. So there you go, Stato. He's, he's, uh, he's backed him in as well. Um, I just want to ask you, though, all this crap about your fixtures and your buys and all that structure, buy structure, isn't it this season in particular, can't we just ignore it a little bit? Because there's got to be a game or two that are going to be weirdly postponed and our buy structure is probably just going to be thrown out the window. Mate, and look, at the end of the day, I, I will say this, is if you plan for chaos, chaos will come for your team. <laughs> piss poor Louis planning shaking his head promotes as well, disappointed. piss poor performance, mate. So <laughs> I, I would rather plan for a, a positive result, a good performance and be ready to go and deal with every curveball that happens. But if I'm better think- for plan than anyone else then I've got more chance of dealing with a curveball. That's how I, I run my business life to... and my fantasy squad. 
I thought they only fixed you till round nine at the moment anyway. They haven't announced the buyers, have they? You're kidding me. I haven't – could you do me a favour? Could you go to <laughs> AFL Fantasy and click buys? I thought – anyway. All right. Yeah, well, I don't have that. I don't ha- – I haven't Louis, bought the advantage can you help me, yet. I-, I will. I'll get around <laughs> to it. So, clearly someone hasn't looked at their buy structure. Um, <laughs> not Dossie, yeah, look, not at all. At the end of the day, mate, um, it's – it's a it's a strategy that's worked for a lot of good coaches for years and years and years. And the last thing you want to do is throw that strategy out the window based on a thought that maybe the season might get disrupted in some way or another. And, and you can't even tell tell me how I that's going like, to be disrupted either. So I feel like I've been doing so well this preseason. You guys have been really proud of me and, and I've let you down. I've let you down with a comment. Uh, well, just to go to with what's happening in the country right now, I think we can just call that advantage statesman. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to your next player, Louis. Uh, spending way more time on the rucks than I thought we would, but uh, it's good content. What do you got for us, Louis? Uh, yeah, Doss, hang on. I'm just trying to figure out if there's a Ruckman left after uh, Stato pretty much went through every single list. But, sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about Jared Witts. Uh, he comes in priced at 68 this year, and he's a guy who hasn't actually gone below 80 since 2016, and that's including that coronavirus season where uh, he just didn't score as well. So, we're really talking below 90. Um Obviously, he had that ACL in 2021, just got the three games. Um, and based on that, you sort of think, oh, wow, well, this is a guy who's got, you know, 10 plus, maybe even 20 points upside in him. But um, he's looking into the stats. He's not a high possession player. He actually regularly notches up less than 10 touches. And going back to um, 2020 when he played 17 games, he actually had less than um, 10 eight times from 17 games. So he's a guy who consistently uh, obviously gets the hit outs and the tackles but doesn't find a lot of the pill, which is not really inducive of fantasy scoring. Um, but even in his best averaging year of 104, he averaged just 14 disposals and he also averaged 45 hit outs per game, which that's just... 14 points shy of actually being half his scoring output. So that goes on to say that uh, this is a guy, first of all, who's coming back from an ACL. So he's going to have those managed minutes. Like uh, Stato said earlier, in 2019, he was only at 83% for his um, time on ground anyway. So it wasn't heaps, heaps high. And in addition to this, we've now got Marbio Chol and perhaps to a lesser extent, Mac Andrew and even Levi Casbolt who are probably going to be chopping out in that ruck division as well, just to give him a little bit of a hand. And as we know, Wits isn't really known for his forward craft. When he's not uh, on the ground rucking, he's probably going to be sitting on the bench on a nice and low time on ground. So um, ultimately, I think we're going to see a heavier chop out in the ruck for Wits. Um, and that hasn't happened often in the past. He's been the number one guy for, gee, since 2017, since he actually joined the Suns, which is when his scoring kind of bumped up from his old pie days. So, uh, yeah, ultimately it's going to chew into his time on ground, his hit outs and his fantasy scoring. So I'm not sure he's the bargain he appears to be. Uh, I'm sure he's got maybe seven points upside. He might be a 75 guy, maybe even push 80. Uh, but at his price, I'm not sure that's enough upside. Uh, to be betting on, especially when it's a guy who I'm not sure we're going to see much ceiling from anyway. Yeah, it's tempting, isn't it? At that price, you, you scroll down, you see Wits, you've kind of seen him 
do what he did a couple of years ago and also being such looking like the value pick he was going to be last year. Um, he was kind of looking like the real great value pick, but your points are completely valid and I'm on the same um, wavelength as you on that one. So, uh, you, you forgot to mention Chrissy Bajess though, cutting oh. into those rock minutes. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> got to shout out the great man. Unfortunately, his ruck time uh, is at an end uh, with all those ins this year. Um, I'm going to round us out for our rucks, talking about the man that uh, we all want to hear about this preseason, and it is Braden Pruce. Um, probably not coming into Stato's calculations thanks to his buy, I'm guessing, Stato. But um, coming in as an incredibly cheap ruck, having not played... Entirely last season, uh, seemed like it was finally going to be his year, but didn't play last year. Always been behind key rucks in his in his history. So, starts his career behind Todd Goldstein, was just about to sort of take over there. Obviously, Goldie had a few years left, decided it's time to leave. Goes to, uh, where does he go to? Stato, Gold Coast, where they didn't have a ruck at the time, or <laughs> where's another place? Hawthorne, where they were struggling for a ruck. No, no, he, he chose to go to Melbourne. Um which has the best, arguably the best ruck in the competition in Max Gorn, still in his prime. So, anyway, nice nice decision by Prusy and his management there. Stuck behind him for a couple of years, then decides he's going to go off finally to a place where he can get his hit outs, can get his ruck time, be the number one man. Goes to the GWS Giants, looking like a cracking preseason, coming in hot. Does his peck in the gym, lifting too many weights like Hef at the Keep League. Just just pumping too much iron. Anyway, we finally this year get to see Braden Proust season. Looks to be fit and firing. But do we see Flynn still kind of get a go in there? That's probably the only question that I've got. Other than that, this guy has been, whenever he's got the keys at AFL level, we've seen him go big. He, he's gone big when, when Gorney's gone down, when Goldie's gone down. He's had big games. And in the VFL, when he was playing, I reckon this was his last healthy season in the VFL. I think, it, unfortunately, it was quite a few years ago, probably 2019, I'm talking. 132 AFL fantasy points with 18 disposals, 15 kicks as well. Doesn't mind a kick. Three tackles, six marks, 52 hit outs. So, can score. And uh, I think we're just kind of... You know, injury factors aside, I think we're kind of a lot of people are selecting him, obviously, but I don't think we should overlook him, even though our our fantasy minds are probably doubting every bit about it, wanting to go against him. I, I don't think we should, personally. Uh, and he's in my team right now, Stato. I don't care about your buy structure. Sorry, mate. I reckon you can make up the buy structure elsewhere on your ground. You got two spots in the ruck. You'll be right. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, not interested. Hasn't got the scoring powers. Not a keeper. Um, so the last five seasons, 2020 played three games at an average of 50, uh, 2019, seven games for an average of 56 and 2017, eight games for an average of, uh, 67. He may have been playing against Chris, uh, Burgess's lesser cousin in the VFL for that 130 score. <laughs> um, but I, I, at AFL level, I, I, I think he's going to be quite a competent ruckman. I don't think he's going to be elite by any stretch. So with all the risk uh, and them effectively now having three ruckmen, um, I'm just, yeah, I, I just don't see it ending well. And and uh, I haven't always been right, so this may prove to be wrong. He might be great value, um, but I just don't see it myself yet. 
Yeah, I think what you, your point though on those averages is just he's played a long a lot of the time he's been forced to play as a dual ruck. And, and again, if, if he's looking like a dual ruck, I don't want any piece of it. Same sort of deal. If he's playing alongside Flynn or Briggs, I'm not really keen. And they have kind of flagged that that's potentially going to be the case. Horses for is, courses is the language when they were talking about how they juggle all three. Yeah. And I went, ooh, no thanks. Yeah, and if that's your reason, I don't mind. Um, well, we saw what happened last year. Ruck, though. Yeah, you you pick a, a GWS ruck yeah. when they're out two weeks later. All right, might be having to shuffle around my team, lads. Um, anyway, after that, let's move on to the stats we use during the season. Now, like I said at the top of the show, these are just going to be stats that we like to keep on top of week to week, and, and these are what we base our decisions on. So, you know... We'll go through each. We're going to go through three each. You can be pretty quick about it if you want. But um, I, w- I will say at the top, like, obviously, the Keeper League here, we provide stats and we're, we're a place that, that provides stats. Um, this is the pod pod, but we're sponsored and part of the Keeper League. So, we obviously provide stats and info that people can pay to get, okay? But I also want to just say that this is just meant to highlight the things that we actually use during the season to make decisions. So... You know, it's not meant to be an ad. We're just trying to say what we use. So, that's. I just want to kick that off at the top. And Stato, do you want to take us away with- You can go through one or all three if you want. Just go through all three, I reckon, each. Yeah, and I'll be pretty quick with them because some of them make total sense. One I'll give a little bit of an explanation for. But the first one is I have a look at the previous history. So, I make sure I understand the stats. Now, that, that'll be at AFL level, but most importantly- NAB and state league level. So I actually understand the roles they're playing and what their output was. Now, there's some highly touted uh, young individuals that come and they might be the most dynamic player that a club's ever going to receive, but it doesn't mean they're actually a good fantasy player. So really understanding the stats is important. So I do a lot of history on anyone I'm selecting in my classic team, especially when we're talking rookies, so I understand The next one, which I predominantly use when I'm actually talking about my primos. Um, So part of what we do at the Draft Doctors, and I'm sure they do in the Keeper League, is do a lot of ranks. So in the draft kit, we've got all four of us at the Doctors um, would actually rank all our players, so each of the lines. So what I do is put the four together and get an average rank. So understand that we might have Jack Steele, which we currently do at number two, and we actually have Tom Mitchell at number one. So that averages out what everyone feels. Then I put the price next to the player and then divide that by the expectation of what they're going to score. So if Tom Mitchell is the highest scorer and we say, and and we look at the history and go, well, he's going to get 118, then number two is going to get 116, number 14 is going to get 104 average. And then I will divide um, the actual price by the score I'm expecting to have or the average I have. And that actually gives you a value. So I'll look at a Jack Steele versus a Tom Mitchell. We think Mitchell, who's cheaper, will actually score more points. So therefore, I'm going to select Tom Mitchell in my classic team ahead of Jack Steele. Does that make sense? So that's the data that I do, and I do it in every single line. This is where this process is where I looked at Rob and went, ooh, okay, we've got some real value here. 
and I just want to say, like, um, obviously, we kind of have to do it for our content platforms doing rankings and, and such like that. But if you do want to get serious about your, your fantasy and you're actually looking to really, you know, I don't know, win hats. And I know I haven't personally done that myself. But if you're looking to do well, it's a great it's a great way to kind of like even just doing them recently. You know, you learn you're like, oh, what? Like, why? It, it's all about reasoning. Like, why is that person ahead? And, and yeah. if you're looking at. That, hang on a second. I'm ranking like four people from the same club. They can't all be this good if we've got someone coming in. You know, you've, it, it's a good way to kind of shuffle them around. I wonder, Louis, do you ever do rankings yourself? Like, because I know you, you don't part of like a draft kind of thing. Do you ever do that when you come into classic or is it more just, you know, based on the value and kind of looking at each player separately? Um, well, I don't look at players separately at all, actually. What I do is I'll have a group of players that I really like and then I'll combine them. So, let's say I've got two trades in a week um, or even it's probably more relevant with your actual starting side. Um, but let's say I've got two mid-prices and a gun and a rookie. What I'll do is I'll break down them in tandem and figure out where that gets me from there. So, I'll break down the scoring or break down the roles um, I'll, I'll break down pretty much everything I possibly can and drive myself <laughs> nuts because of it and then start questioning myself a week later. But that's basically what I do. So, um, And then more often than not, I do land on the right decision. But I, I don't actually do rankings where I rank them one to, you know, five or six or seven or, or whatever. Yeah. No, and it's, it's each individual's um, preference for sure. Stato, what do you, what do you got for us now? Yeah, and last but not least, looking for those breakout contenders, um, I, I use a thing that you talk a little bit about, which is the time on ground. So look for the points per minute model. So I really got a good understanding. So an Andrew Brayshaw, who I'm pretty hot on, averaged 104 last year, but he only averaged 79% time on ground. Now, with the removal of uh, Chera, Fife injured, uh, Mundy injured and ageing, uh, he's right now going to be their number one midfielder. He's been slowly progressing up on his time on ground. I expect him to hit the 84 mark. Uh, so you're talking that 5% growth, even without individual growth. All of a sudden, you're talking about the between the 108 and 110 average, all of a sudden he's talking the top 10. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of time on ground as well. That, that's one of my points, um, but I've sort of adjusted my round. I'm, I'm obviously a massive fan. And I, I also like to look at those guys that are going to make the huge leap. So, that's obviously one at the top of the, the top of the tree, like the premium. You can also look at the guys that are about to kind of jump out and that can be guys with like 50 and 60% TOG. And if you can see them jumping up 20%, that's when the, there's going to be a huge lift. But it's also added risk because you've got to make sure that that role is going to be there. Louis, do you want to take us through your three stats that you use through the season to sort of keep on top of things or pre-season, whatever? Yeah, well, obviously all of the above. Um, everything Stato said, I pretty much look at as well. Um but uh, mine are quite simple, really, and they may be more based around in-season when you're trading in players. But um, first and foremost, uh, one of the first things I really look for is the break-even. So, is this player value at this time in that can I pick him up cheaper in a couple of weeks' time or is he going to be skyrocketing in price and I'm going to miss the boat? You know, we saw that with a um, just picking one, Darcy Parrish, last year. So, if you got on him at the right time, uh, his break-even would have been, what, 60? 
uh, <laughs> as I get flipped off finger, by Stato here. On uh, and if you got on at that time, then you've ridden that price rise all the way to, to the end of the season. But uh, if you jump on in, let's say, round 17, then all of a sudden you're paying well, upwards of 800k for a player who um, probably doesn't have as much upside as what he did um, 10 rounds previous. So break-evens is a big one for me. Um Sort of backing on to what Stato said earlier, scoring history is huge, uh, especially junior scoring. I, I love to know that this player is capable uh, in the right role of actually accumulating the football, filling up the stat lines and and basically producing a fantasy score that, that's worthy of my team. And, so, and I know um, that you're, as, you're quite one. good at um, letting us know when, when somebody is going to be... You know, it, it's those guys that are debuting in the season because I think we're generally pretty on top of the stats pre-season. Like, I know, yeah, Keeper League's one resource where you can get the junior stats, but I know in season, if you keep on top of it and you can kind of see people that are killing it in the state league that have also done it as a junior, you're always pretty big on like, hey, this guy, you know, they're going to- Usually, the translation's pretty good if they get a half-decent role at AFL. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the app I use is Footy Live. Um, it's yep. just one of the main scoring things um, on the app store. should be on most uh, devices. Uh, but from there, I can basically just click on VFL, uh, NFL, um, whatever else, and Waffle will figure out exactly what a player is scoring across a number of weeks. And when they do get that debut, I can, I can kind of pinpoint that, hey, this guy's averaged I don't know, 28 disposals a game um, across the last three weeks. Um, let's say a midfielder's gotten injured in the ones team. All of a sudden, he comes in. Well, you know, the writing's on the wall that perhaps this guy's going to at least have a couple of rotations. So, you can jump on that nice and early. Um, and the final one, which um, I use a lot for trading too, usually to identify some players that slide under the radar. Uh, it doesn't always work because I think Stato and I both got burnt by by Zach Bailey last year to an extent. But uh, when you look at the last three average versus the average, you can actually uh, basically get an itemized list of the players that are underperforming based on what they've done um, so far that season. And obviously that kind of indicates that there's there's upside there and uh, going back onto the break-even side of things, if you can get them at the right break-even, all of a sudden you're actually generating the cash and um all things going well, you can find yourself a keeper as well or someone who's at least worthy um, of being in your side towards the end of the year. Yeah, the last three ones, probably one I use heaps in the middle middle part of the season where roles are kind of changing and, and stuff and you've got a bigger sample and then people are moving in from one role to another and then all of a sudden things are changing and you can kind of see it. Versus the average though too. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, no, nah, I'm a huge fan of that one as well. Um and I probably use like just for that sort of stuff in the break evens. I always usually get the AFL Fantasy Classic like premium resource just because it's so easy to see all the break evens. I know there's probably other ones out there, but I tend to just, you know, fork out the 20 bucks or whatever. Um, oh, all right, my it. ones that I've got um, for us is just CBAs, obviously be- becoming more prominent over the years thanks to the fine work at the Draft Doctors, getting them out in the public. No, thanks to um, you. Thanks to old Dossie as well, uh, <laughs> getting them out into the public and finally we're able to see those and obviously just the people that are attending centre bounce attendances, you know, can score well and actually I think DC did a nice little article on DT Talk the other week looking at how, you know, actually presenting the numbers and showing you that there is a correlation between spending time in the midfield and scoring well. So, yeah, appreciate finally putting those numbers out there. Uh, Louis? 
Can I just add the first time I ever met Dossie, uh, we're at a port internal trial <laughs> and it was port player versus port player in the midfield, of course. And uh, I just met Dossie for the first time. He pulls out his phone and he's taking notes of everybody who's attending a centre bounce. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> I was taking intra-club CBAs, yes. And I think I stopped what did I, I stopped at half time because I was like, all right, I'm going to actually speak to Louis for the first time I've met him here. I better say hello. <laughs> it was you and Checkers were there. And Hef, I don't think, I don't know if I'd met Hef. Or, I've met Hef once before as well. And I was just in my phone doing the CBAs for Connor Rosie and your boy Butters. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's- it's a great resource, though, to see who's jumping up. And it's, yeah, looking at them in season, that's where you can really um, pick up some value. Um, I've been starting to look at the dollars per point as well. I think that's the in the AFL Fantasy app as well. And that one's actually, like, even if you don't sign up to the um, to get the break-evens, that one's there, which essentially does a very similar function in that it's just giving you the value of a player per point that they're scoring you, um, which is essentially where the break-evens kind of come into play as well. So, it's, it's letting you know... Yeah, the cash you're spending for the points. And it doesn't really have huge effect to start the season, obviously, because we don't have any averages moving around. But as soon as it starts, I quite like looking at that in conjunction with a few of the other stats. I know you're pretty big on that one, Stato, too. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron Hall. I think we had that discussion last week or the week before. Mm, dollars per point. Do you think he's value at the start? Anyway, move on. I still do. Still do, uh, and then my final one. Obviously, time on ground was mine, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna shift towards kick-ins because I actually have started to use oh, kick-ins in my preseason research for defenders. So um, I quite like looking at who obviously has a stack of the kick-ins, and you're doing that for intra clubs as well. Uh, not quite, not quite. I don't think I'll be. You know, it's not saying I'll be monitoring heavily, but it's certainly <laughs> something that, particularly preseason, I think I'll be looking at pretty closely because that's where Jordan Ridley last year became ultra premium and then actually dropped down from not being an ultra premium was due to that sort of big difference in kick-in. So, I just want to monitor that a bit closely early season um, and make sure that we kind of know, hey, these guys- uh, I think Louis had the the terminology um, of who has the- What did you say? Um, there was some word you used that has basically control over the entire kick-ins. And when a player has a role where it's like 90% of the kick-ins, it is juicy. So, Louis, you want to say something on, on this? Yeah, I just wanted to add it does work both ways though as well. So, if you've got a player who's um, taking 10 kick-ins a game, um, yes, that's built into their average or their scoring, but conversely, you can look at it the other way where there's actually, what, 10 times 3, 30 points downside mm. if that player loses the kick-ins yeah. or if the opposition team's extremely accurate. Um, Jack Bowes was another one, hey? Exactly. So, um, it's a good stat and it can um, sort of sway you either which way. Um, but I do think you just got to be cautious with it because it can show that um, if they do lose that role and if they're taking kick-ins, generally they're not a massive fantasy player anyway. They're probably averaging, what, 85 to, to maybe 95 with perhaps Tom Stewart being the king of all that uh, or Jake Lloyd, um, but he did lose some in 2021. Uh, and look, that's a great example. We saw that Jake Lloyd regressed because he didn't have as many kick-ins as what he had in, in the previous years. So, And, and looking at those uh, play-on percentage as well, because I think Will Power's a big one for me this year that's going to benefit from more kick-ins if Lukosius moves out and Bose is obviously injured and basically no one's there except him to take him. But he only played on from like 60% of his kick-ins last year. So, I want to see that jump up to- 
you know, 70, 80, 90% for me to actually be super keen on on him getting a massive bump. So, anyway, that's a, that's a few of the stats we use during the season. Glad to hear any more um, that other people use during the season as well. Um, I think there's also some great resource I've seen recently that Cam was linking us from the Draft Doctors, like uh, a few websites where you can sort of compare with and without numbers. So, like with players versus without players to see, you know, how well somebody performs with and without certain players in the team. So, that's pretty, that'll be pretty handy as well. I'm surprised, Doss, you didn't actually mention number of preseason hype articles in your, in your <laughs> yeah. stats to run off of as well. That's number of songs people got on that. Yeah. Um, because we're running pretty late, I'm just going to mention my pods. I'm not going to explain them. I will be releasing an article um, at the end of all these pods on keeperleaguepod.com.au. So, I w- I'm not going to talk about these guys, but I want to. I want an acknowledgement of yes or no, whether you'd be considering this pod. I'll go from Louis back to Stato, back to Louis. So, the first one, we're up to Geelong and Gold Coast um, on the lists. And first one from Geelong, Patrick Dangerfield, Louis. Um, look, I'd be hesitant for lots of reasons I won't get into, but uh, at his price, it's a it's a yes. And Stato, the second one, defender eligible. We've talked about a few people that could potentially play some midfield minutes. I've got Mark O'Connor at 511k as a super pod with 0% ownership. No. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to have to convince you in the article later on, I think. Um, Gold Coast, I spoke about him. I actually have done a complete backflip since uh, saying I won't pick him last week. Louis, Braden Fiorini, no. any interest? <laughs> and I've just I've just spoke about him a little bit negatively, but uh, Will Power, if he gets those kick-ins, any interest, Stato? Yeah, possibly. Um, he's not high on the agenda, but he's certainly a watch if things sort of change uh, with the group Salakosius so you talked about. Uh, so if he's the only one in there getting all the kick-ins, then he might be someone of value. All right, love it. And uh, just to remind everyone, these episodes will be available to Silver and Gold members throughout the in-season pod pod. Um, and you also get a stack of premium resources as well, including CBAs, uh, State League Fantasy Scores, Drafty, Analysis Guides, um, Kick-Ins, all that sort of stuff. So, become a Silver or Gold member on the Keeper League and gain access to all that plus our in-season pods. The in-season pods are going to be much more Q&A focused and I think we'll kind of edge towards that at the end of pre-season a lot more listener kind of questions coming in and and Q&A answering getting Louis and Stato's opinion on plenty of stuff you might even sneak mine in occasionally but that's what it's going to look like Um, thanks everyone for listening again and thanks Stato and Louis for joining me pleasure thanks mate great episode see you next week